Hello everyone and welcome to Piastri Watch 2022. I'm your host Chris and I'm joined by Tom. Hello. Hello. We know the Piastri contract recognition board meeting happened today. We don't have news. We have the Discord live chat deployed to update us if mm. any news does come in. We might have some rare breaking news, but in reality, they're probably going to wait until after we finish the podcast and then they'll announce it. Um, luckily, in the meantime, we've got a Belgian Grand Prix and a bunch of news to talk about. So I think we'll do some news first because a lot of stuff happened pre-race weekend. Um, first of all, as expected, McLaren have now confirmed that Ricardo's going to be leaving the team at the end of this season, one year early than the end of his contract. Um, it was all kind of dressed up as a mutual thing, but very telling that in his own statement, he said the team decided to make a change, as if there was any doubt already as to <laughs> where it was coming from. Um, no word on what he's going to be doing next. He said he wants to stay in F1 under the right circumstances and that he's had contact from several teams. Um I don't know if you saw the interview that Sky did with him over the weekend. Uh, like, he sort of seems to be putting a brave face on it, but he sort of looked, I don't know, he looked a little bit lost. Like, it wasn't easy watching. Yeah, I didn't see the Sky one. I watched the F1 TV one, though, that I'm trying to think who did it with him. Can't remember. But it was a very similar vibe. Um, yeah. I mean, they're all asking him the same questions in the same context at the moment, aren't they? So yeah, it was pretty much the same thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, there was there was a lot of, let's say, positive words used in the one that he did with F1 TV. Uh, but the, um, the mood and the tone behind them was anything but, I think, was very, like, deflated... So he was like he was saying the right things, but sadly the demeanor said a lot more than the words did. I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean we'll see. We'll see where he ends up. There's obviously a chance of him going to Alpine. Haas is a potential location. Whether mm. he'd go to Williams, not I don't know. There are options for him. It might also be him taking the year out and coming back. That's not unheard of. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in related news, as we already mentioned, the Piastri contract hearing happened um, today. Um, the latest rumours around Alpine is that the team are now starting to try and pursue Gasly as a potential replacement for him. Um, Ocon over the weekend said he's told the team that Mick Schumacher would be his preferred teammate. Not that Ocon probably gets to decide who gets that seat, but that's what he says. Um, yeah again it's just another time will tell thing I mean Sky Sports are reporting today that regardless of what happens in this uh, contract board meeting Piastri is no longer Alpine's first choice so even if they do have the hearing go their way they might still sort of then turf him off elsewhere probably tell McLaren how much money they would like for his services I imagine <laughs> um, but yeah again time will tell I suppose it doesn't look like they're in a massive rush to confirm that seat yeah I, I think it's it's all going to depend on what comes out of the the hearing thing today isn't it as to what happens where um, that's everything's kind of on hold I, I can't imagine teams 
not having backup plans. But yeah. I think because like Alpine themselves are quite were quite confident in the fact that you know the their contract was pretty airtight and there's no way he should be going anywhere else. But McLaren seemed to think the opposite. So yeah. I, I can't imagine the team's being daft enough to not have an alternative. But those things are going to come into place pretty quickly I think um, if uh, if things don't go with one of the teams like let's say it's Alpine that are the ones that come out of that worse off they're going to be moving pretty quickly I think on trying to find a replacement for Piastri and, well yeah. the leaving Alonso should I say yeah. um, so I mean did you just to throw fuel in this fire did you see Jack Doohan in the Alpine garage over the weekend yeah <laughs> <laughs> Might be getting a bit of an earlier promotion than expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, cheeky move that. Hey, he's um, won a few races this year in F two. Yeah, did, did, he's having a did good he win season. this week? They win this weekend actually. I think uh, he won. I think he won the second race, didn't he, this weekend? Yeah, I think he may well have done. So, yeah, chat confirming there and chat yeah. saying he won. So there we go. There you go. That's it. Promotion <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> um, the other big news we had over the weekend was that Audi confirmed they're entering F1 in 2026 as a power unit manufacturer. Mm. Um, no word on Porsche. Audi said that if Porsche do join, it's going to be a completely separate thing to Audi. Even though they're both VW brands, it's not going to just be they'll build one power unit between them and badge it up differently. It looks like they're doing completely separate things, assuming Porsche do come in. There's talk now that the Red Bull Porsche thing is sort of has stalled a bit, and that's maybe not as close to happening as we first thought. But we'll we'll see. I'm sure in time they'll figure that out. Yeah. Um, no word yet on who Audi are going to be supplying with said power units, but around the same time. Alfa Romeo confirmed that they are ending their partnership with Sauber at the end of the 2023 season. So obviously yeah. that team, as we've said before, he's basically still Sauber. It's just kind of Alfa Romeo have put their name on it and let Sauber keep running the team. So they're ending that partnership in the 2023, which kind of opens the door for Sauber to then become the Audi team in 2026. Um, yeah, there were, there were some pretty strong links between the two weren't they over the course of this weekend yeah. whether that is because of the Alfa Romeo thing I'm trying to think which came first trying to think if the the links between Audi and Sauber were what, were what I heard first or the confirmation that Alfa aren't, aren't staying with them as of next I season. think the links have been sort of there for a little while now behind the scenes yeah um, the, the potentially weird thing in that situation is what happens in 2024 and 2025 like mm. in theory Audi could come in and badge up the team before their pony is ready but are Audi really going to run a, a Audi Ferrari or an Audi Renault it's not going <laughs> to yeah. happen is it so I can imagine them maybe having a provisional deal with some sort of sponsorship maybe from the Audi group like it's all v, well, it's VW mm. group isn't it technically so, yeah. like, some sort of sponsorship that's not related to the engines in any way. Um, and then running, either continuing to run for our engines or running one of the other manufacturers for a couple of years in the meantime, just as Sauber 
with a headline sponsorship maybe yeah quite possibly so yeah but yeah very cool that Audi are actually confirmed now to be joining the sport it's really, it's really good news for Formula 1 as a whole yeah I think the, the only shame on it for me is them only joining as an engine manufacturer yeah engine supplier not a manufacturer team so it is a bit of a shame that they won't either take over a team officially or run you know run a new team but mm-hmm. uh, one step at a time i guess you know yeah. if, they, if they jump into the sport and start seeing success with the new engine formula then there may be a point where they want to completely buy out a team or or like you know start their own and essentially and mm-hmm. um, supply as well as run their own well i mean how long were mercedes engine manufacturers before they decided to take that extra step to run a team so exactly yeah, exactly. proves you don't need to do it straight away. Yeah. Um, and then last little bit of news from the weekend is that Spa has got a one-year extension, so we're going to have a Belgian Grand Prix next season at the very least. Because um, obviously all the talk was that this is potent- was potentially going to be the last one for the foreseeable future, but yeah, we have one more at least Belgian Grand Prix now. Mm. Um, sadly, it looks like that's likely because the talks to bring a race to south africa in kyle army have broken down and that's why mm. there's space in the calendar for it which is a shame it's kind of a, a feast and famine kind of bit of news there but but there we go yeah. um double-edged but sword that brings us nicely on to what wasn't the final belgian grand prix <laughs> <laughs> at worst it's the penultimate belgian grand prix yeah um i mean we have to start by talking about verstappen just there's i mean there's no stopping him is there 14th on the grid to first by lap 12 um second time in f1 history a driver's won back-to-back races from 10th or lower i think the uh, bruce mclaren's the only the driver to have done that back in the 50s or 60s that's a nice stat yeah <laughs> um he's also the lowest winning grid position in red bulls history Nice. His ninth win of the season, which means he's already only one shy of his win total from last year, and he's well on his way now to breaking the record of 13 wins in a season. Mm. Um, leading the Drivers' Championship by 93 points, Perez, who's now in second, and 98 over Leclerc. I, it, it was just... It, this. I've, I've realised watching this race in, in, in recent weeks, we've got to... Verstappen's reached the point that Hamilton did where there was that period of a few years where no matter what happened to Hamilton, be it grid penalties, disastrous qualifying, first lap tangle, whatever, you then get about five or six laps in and go, he's just going to still win it anyway, isn't he? And he went on and did it. And that's exactly what Verstappen's doing now. He's just operating on such a high level. And so are the team as well, like... It's a near unbeatable combination at this point. Yeah, I mean, his form's ridiculous at the minute, isn't it? Like, we always expected, because of the way that the penalties worked out and where we knew they'd be starting, like, not truly at the back because of what was going on. Yeah. Um, I think we still expected them both to be fighting their way towards the podium. But then for Max alone to be, like, 19 seconds clear by the end of it was... <laughs> Just something Ridiculous. over and above that, wasn't it? Like there was no, there was no arguing that we expected both Leclerc and Max Verstappen to be ending up top five minimum. 
uh, I mean, we'll get to Charles's race in a minute, but like the their strategy got a little bit scuppered because of the brake duct thing. But yeah, <clears throat> I mean, even still, he was in that top five, wasn't it? Well, he, he finished in the top five. He didn't stay there. Um, but again, we'll cover that in a minute. So I just think that whatever that Red Bulls finishing races and you know being quite reliable underneath him like this weekend's a prime example of red bull having something to play with i think in the sense that they i i believe that they took most of the penalties that they did just because they knew charles was back there and it was it was there was definitely some there that probably didn't need to be taken but it's like why not get a brand new Mm -hmm. component of every possible variety and start alongside him still than you know start the front of a race that you've got a good shot at anyway because it suits the car like yeah. take take advantage of the fact that the other guy's towards the back and just join him there <laughs> and get brand new components exactly Why not? Yeah. <laughs> i think not? it was it was carlos Sainz said that the red bull pace was so good it looked like they had built a car specifically for this circuit and it was just like unbelievably good there i do find it very weird that we're in a scenario where like you're going into the dutch grand prix thinking oh that's a that's a bit more of a ferrari opportunity Hmm. and then you're going into monza thinking oh that's back to red bulls opportunity like it's it's a very weird i mean i've said it a few times this season because it is odd to think that of a red bull particularly like and Ferrari generally tend to build their car to win at Monza because that's the one race that they want to win. So yeah. it is a bit weird that that's the other way around at the moment. But, I mean, to be fair to the Red Bull, it's looking like it's good everywhere at the minute, to be really, really is, honest. Yeah. It's looking like a, a good all-rounder, um, despite you know all the rec changes and stuff to do with the floor. Yeah, very much so. Um, so yeah, you sort of already mentioned him. We'll do Leclerc next. Um, he actually started really well. He was basically basically him and Verstappen moved up together. He was ninth, um, one place behind Verstappen by the second lap. Um, then he got a visor tear off, which I have I've seen a video that Sky Sports have done. It was definitely Verstappen's tear off that landed him mm. Leclerc's brake duct, which is, I mean people are trying to make a big deal out of it it's just chance but it's kind of hilarious that it was Verstappen's that did it um, but yeah that forced him to put on lap 3 which obviously kind of scuppered his strategy he did climb back up to 4th as the others pitted um, but then he, he just got really easily overtaken by George Russell and then he just couldn't stay with Russell which was really weird to watch like obviously they were on a, like different tyre ages by that point but Russell just drove away from him, which is kind of weird to see, especially given how poor the Mercedes had looked on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, um, there was no race pace in that car at all, was it? But I feel like that's sort of slowly becoming a trend at certain circuits for Ferrari, mm-hmm. like quality pace is there, which we we saw a l- we didn't even see as much of that as normal. Like we saw a little bit of it from Carlos. But yeah. I don't think Leclerc really had his finger on the pulse all weekend in terms of pace, did he? Whether that was because he was going into the weekend knowing the penalties and feeling a bit defeatist about it, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird one. 
Um, but yeah, he ran for fifth for pretty much the rest of the race until Ferrari decided to pit him for soft to go for the fastest lap at the end. From the team radio, Leclerc didn't seem that keen on taking the risk, but the team told him to come in. Mm. Um, mm. He then came out and was immediately passed by Alonso on his outlap, which uh, you have to question the calculations that Ferrari did <laughs> on the gap they had. Um, he managed to get back past Alonso, didn't get the fastest lap in the process, missed it by quite a big chunk in the end of things. Six tenths. Yeah. Um, Not even close. On fresh softs as well. And obviously, he had to overtake mm. Alonso in the process. Well, yeah, still. he got he got DRS down the Kemmel straight because of yeah, so following yeah, and overtaking. Like, there were a lot of factors there that were in his favour to be able to take that fastest lap. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then for good be. measure, um, overheating had caused a sensor issue, which meant he went about one kilometre an hour over the pit lane speed limit. Um, weirdly, Leclerc like, said he took responsibility for that himself and didn't blame the team, but I don't see how that could be. Like Basically, the, the, the sense that's normally used for the pit limiter had failed and they have a backup system. And the backup system wasn't quite accurate enough. So I don't know why mm. he decided to try and take blame for that himself. But there we go. Um, and he got a five-second penalty, which then dropped him back behind Alonso again. Um, he's now only been on the podium once in the last nine races, which was his win in Austria. Um, it's, Big oof. It's just like when the team aren't failing him, he's having bad luck or the car's failing him or he's made like there always seems to be something doesn't there like it's not a consistent yeah. thing going wrong for him it's just there always seems to be something like he was very unlucky in a lot of ways this race yeah i mean the the pace didn't seem to be there in the ferrari but even still other things definitely impacted that like i think had he personally been on the pace or or had better luck He'd have probably been on the podium with Max, and the the gap wouldn't have been as severe. But yeah, it would. I can I can already feel. I don't want it to be true, but I can already feel like a bit of a defeatist mentality coming in, yeah. or a mindset of the gap is too much at this point, and like you know, just that mindset creeping in. Um, I really hope not. And it's 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 weird that. You, it's weird that we're in the scenario we are in <clears throat> after how we were at the start of the season mm-hmm. and it it just feels like at this moment in time there's every chance that Ferrari uh, Ferrari are going to fall away from this and you know Max is going to be sealing an early title before we'd like leave North America basically like yeah. You know that like the, the sort of times where Hamilton was wrapping up titles when he basically had no one that was a challenger except his teammate. So it's weird to think that Ferrari and Red Bull are so close, and that is like a genuine possibility for Max, despite them being as close as they were at the beginning of the season. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, re- realistically, if you look at the rest of that calendar as a as a sort of a brief overview. Where do you genuinely see Ferrari being better than Red Bull in what's left? Because I could um, see two, maybe three. 
Yeah, I mean, Zandvoort, Ferrari, it should suit Ferrari better. Yeah. Um, Singapore, maybe? Yeah, that's my other one. And yeah, I'm struggling to see any others, honestly. Yeah, and my, my third was like potentially Brazil. Yeah. That was a, that was a potential. Um, or Abu Dhabi, maybe. Yeah, I like I think I think the only two where like I genuinely expect Ferrari to be better at this moment in time is Zandvoort coming up and Singapore. Yeah, um, and that's a very difficult position for them to find themselves in. I think. Uh, to quickly mention the other drivers at the front teams, um, Perez had an absolutely shocking start from second on the grid. And then through all the chaos on lap one, he suddenly still ended up in second by the end of the first lap. I'm not yeah. quite sure how he managed that still. Um, he had to give up a uh, position to Verstappen, who was clearly much faster. Um, but he was able to pass signs by about a halfway point for a Red Bull 1-2. Um, solid drive from Perez. I mean, it wasn't even close to the pace of Verstappen, but solid drive all the same. Um, equally solid drive for signs I thought he had a really good weekend um, he was second in qualifying which became pole after all the penalties um, he obviously just didn't have the pace to mix it with the Red Bulls but um, yep held on for third that's seven podiums for signs this season now two more than Leclerc's got um, he's having a really good back half of the season so far yeah I think I think when you look at where he started you could see his finishing position as a bit of a disappointment, but I think the Red Bulls were just too fast for them this weekend. I don't think there's much yeah. Ferrari could have done. I don't um, think anyone in his position could have done better than third. No. Like, it's a shame, because I, I would have liked to have seen him been able to fight with them both a little bit more and, and challenge for that win, but it it just never looked, never looked on, did it, against the Red Bulls. So... Um, Slight disappointment, but yeah, overall, is is technically bringing in more points than Leclerc at the minute. So yeah, well, it's like last week we were saying if Ferrari want any chance of this driver's title, they have to start favouring Leclerc now. There wasn't even the opportunity for them to favour Leclerc this race, was there? Like he was never even no. close to signs. Yeah. I mean, he's not that far behind in the standings now, is he? What some like fifteen points behind Leclerc? Something like that, I think. Yeah, like is is um, is fourth behind behind the other three. Um, yeah, you're right. Fifteen. Yeah. So <laughs> another weekend of a similar nature, and uh, he's he's sort of he's leapfrogging him, and Ferrari have to really consider where they put their resource. I think. Yeah, I mean the way things are going, it's on track for Science to end up ahead of Leclerc by the end of the season for sure. Yeah. And you know for well, knowing Ferrari, that that is considered a disaster in their book. Oh yeah, does it doesn't matter that one of their drivers is on form or or in better form? It's it's the wrong one as far as they're concerned. <laughs> Whole season in the bin. Yeah. Um, right. Who's next? Alpine, um, fifth and sixth in qualifying. They were only slower than the Ferraris and Red Bulls. Really good pace. I mean, we've always known the Alpine is very very good in a straight line and spa has lots of straight bits but even so that was a <laughs> really good performance from them in qualifying yeah um ocon then sadly had to drop all the way to the back with um his engine penalty but alonso started third 
uh, took second for Perez at the start. Um, Alonso probably had the... Actually, no, that's not true. Sainz had the best start of the lot, but Alonso had a very good start as well, coupled with Perez's poor start. Um, mm. But yeah, then he had that contact with Hamilton and Lacoon, which dropped him back to fourth. Um, I guess we can talk about that now. Hamilton took blame for the collision, and in my eyes, it was entirely on Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, it needed a slight rewatch because you, you, your eyes weren't necessarily on it in the heat at the moment, yeah. were they? But um, yeah, I don't think there's any way that Hamilton shifted the blame of that one for me. Uh, no, it was very, very much cut the nose of Alonso's car off, turning in. Because un- un- really uncharacteristic <laughs> thing, you don't see Hamilton doing stuff like that very often. I could make a very triggering comment, but <laughs> I'll avoid it. <laughs> um, I, I was just going to say I can think of one other time he's done it um, but yeah I think he was definitely alongside Alonso and had more than enough right to be fighting through the through the corner to, to maintain position but it didn't give him full right to the to the racing line and the apex nowhere near far enough in front for that Um and I mean, Alonso was quite um, snappy, let's say, in the heat at the moment, wasn't he? He was very, <laughs> Just very upset at the time. But to be fair, after the adrenaline was out of his system post race, he was he was fairly fairly relaxed about it, and and just sort of said, you know, if like it wasn't his corner, it it was his mistake. And I've heard that he's like taking responsibility for it and apologised. So there's nothing else to be said. Yeah. So I think. People were being quite harsh on Alonso in the heat of the moment, especially the Hamilton fans. But it happens, every driver's like that in those kind of situations. So I take things like that with a pinch of salt all the time because they're always quite quick to anger and quick to rage, aren't they, in that in that heat of the moment when the adrenaline's that flowing on, especially on like lap one as well. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, where were we? Yes, Alpine. So um, after a lot of that collision, Alonso carried on in fourth. He was passed by Leclerc and Russell um, and dropped to sixth, but obviously he gained that fifth back after the Leclerc penalty, um, which ties the team's best finish of the season. I think this is the fourth, fifth place finish Alpine have had um, this season now. Um, and then Ocon from 16th on the grid fought his way back up to seventh, uh, making some pretty tasty overtakes along the way including a couple of double overtakes, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on. Um, and all of that moves Alpine now 20 points ahead of McLaren in the uh, constructor standings. So they are starting to look fairly good for that um, fourth place they've been fighting over, especially yeah. after the weekend that McLaren had. Um, yeah. Actually, we might as well talk about McLaren now while I mention them. Yeah. Um, first uh, race without points for them since Canada. Um, Ricardo actually was doing pretty well in the top 10 for a lot of the race but the final stint on the mediums that he did he just seemed to fade away and go backwards Um, which is a shame I was hoping for like a bit of a okay the decision's been made pressure's off kind of drive from Ricardo and he kind of was up to a point Um, to be fair to him as well he apparently had to switch to a an older spec rear wing, which they knew was slower um, because of some kind of issue that they had with the new one, which obviously wasn't ideal for him. But yeah, not a good day for McLaren. No. 
No, it was... I mean, it didn't help Norris having to start from the back because he was looking okay in qualifying and practice, wasn't he? Like, yeah. The race pace didn't quite seem to be there, but had he been starting higher up in the first place without the penalties, maybe things would have been different, but it's what it is, isn't it? We've reached the mid... Well, just over the midway point of the season and you'd got five drivers on engine penalties, was it, by the end? At least, yeah. And then Bottas had... Bottas had a 20-place penalty, which ironically got him 13th place on the grid yep. because of the way the penalties are stacked. Um, so, yeah, it, it's... I mean, it does smack of, are the limits too harsh? And because it's... I'd say it's cost McLaren points. It's potentially cost Alpha points with Bottas. Yeah. Um, I mean... Well, I mean, Bottas' race was ruined by an incident, wasn't it? But, like, he he was up there, there or thereabouts and had some pace. So, I, I don't know. I, I think races like this one do highlight that maybe the restrictions on the engines and components are a little bit too severe. It just um, seems impossible for anyone to stay within them, doesn't it? Like, yeah. I don't think anyone this season is going to stay within the regulations. Yeah. Which do, I mean, obviously, they need to be tough to encourage the teams to build more reliable engines, but there's a limit to what's possible. I think so, yeah. But, I mean, it made for entertaining racing, so they're probably not going to change yeah. it. They're probably not going to change it on that basis. <laughs> Um, George Russell uh, continues his streak of finishing in the top five when he finishes a race um, as I said before the Mercedes pace in qualifying was pretty shocking but um, he seemed a lot happier during the race um, at times looked like the second fastest car on race pace um, yeah yeah just, just another solid drive from George Russell basically as there have been many of this season yeah, I seem to be able to fight with the Ferraris, but not quite with the Red Bulls. So mm-hmm. I I think being second or at least tied second for race pace is probably about right. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Good um, Daniels is for him for sure. Yeah, it's shame it's a shame about what happened with Lewis and Alonso on lap one because that could have been a good double points finish for Mercedes in the in the run of things. Yeah, I mean, with two Mercedes in the mix, it's entirely possible there wouldn't have been a Ferrari on the podium. Very possible. <laughs> Very possible indeed. Um, who next? Albon. Got to talk about Albon. Um, ninth place in qualifying. Um, and that was without all the penalties being applied. That was... Yeah, it was pace, genuine, wasn't on it? On pace, genuine ninth. And yeah. yes, you could argue some of the big guns maybe didn't quite show their hand but even that didn't really detract from it like that was a proper on pace performance um really really good drive um i mean you say the big guns didn't show their hands but what verstappen was verstappen was like time timed pull leclerc was ahead of albon and who was the other one that got demoted that moved him up is there another one uh Yes, there was. Was it Norris? Was. Might have been Norris, yeah. I can't remember who got through to Q3 now. <laughs> I'm blanking. But yeah, there was, there was another one, and there must have been another one for him to have moved three places. Uh, yeah. Uh, chat saying Norris, so yeah. I'm yeah, right. it was. 
Um, so, like, you know, it's not like those three in particular who all knew they had back of the grid penalties. Uh, um, I mean, I have played that joke to death on Twitter this weekend. Um, yeah, but the the three of them knew that they had the penalties that they had, and they were still, you know, pushing to be as far up that field as possible because ultimately it was going to affect how far to the back they went. So. And I think that's like completely on merit that ninth place for Albon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, then yeah, managed to sort of have decent pace in the race as well. He ended up having to hold off a train of about five cars in the closing stages and managing his tyres, but he held on to finish tenth, pick up some more points for the team. Um, yeah. He said he thinks it's one of his best ever drives in F1, and I'm not sure I dispute that. To be honest, it was really impressive. Yeah. Sure, is, been. Is it- Punted in Brazil by Hamilton, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Had that had that not happened, that would probably be one of his better ones. But yeah, this is probably up there. Yeah, he's having a really really good season, Albon. Yeah, solid. Who else to mention? Uh, Vettel. Um, so he got promoted up to tenth on the grid after penalties. Um, the I mean the Aston Martin was still absolutely shocking in qualifying as seems to be the way that car is but yeah he uh, got promoted up um ran as high as fifth during the race um eventually dropped back to eighth place but that was um his sixth top 10 finish of the season uh best result the team have had since Baku um closes Aston Martin to within five points of Alpha Terry for eighth place um good drive from Seb that I thought um he, when I saw him running that high early on, it was like, oh no, he's just going to get swallowed up very quickly here. But actually, he had the pace to like hold on to those points positions for for a long old time. Yeah, it did quite well. Um, I mean, the Aston Martin didn't look too bad on the whole, did it? Um, there was there was a point where Stroll was looking like he could have had a points finish was was he in the train with Albon possibly I can't remember yeah I think he might have been at the end so like they were they were both kind of fighting for points I mean to be fair this weekend I think the midfield was basically more or less everybody wasn't it like oh it was yeah so close there wasn't really a backmark team or anything this weekend so everything behind the front runners like the let's call them the top three teams and maybe Alpine everything below them was like genuine competition for points pretty much for the most part yeah really was I mean we ended up with a train of cars towards the end admittedly it was a train trying to pass Albon but even so to have cars that close together like in the closing yeah. stages of a race without a safety car very cool yeah and I think that's all like the headline drives to do from what's yeah. ha- what, uh, what went on can we turn one of those into a driver of the day then? Yeah, what are you thinking? Um, I mean, I know we um we do shy away from giving it to the winner for the sake of giving it to the winner, but I think when you're starting as far back as you are, new engine or not, it's impressive to be going from the back third of the grid to a win. Um yeah. the the I mean the fact that it's only the first time to a race a driver's done that two races in a row or, or whatever it was the outside the top 10 two races in a row to a win um 
it's the lowest of Red Bulls ever won from. So, like, there's there's a number of stats that kind of come associated with that, which, yes, yeah. it does show how good that Red Bull is this season, but it also just shows how out of his skin Max Verstappen yeah. is driving. Um, so there's definitely a few honourable mentions, but I, I find it hard to, like, just overall look past that performance because it was just dominant. Yeah, it's as dominant as you ever see. I mean, that fastest lap time alone, like six tenths off that fastest lap time, that's yeah. the closest Leclerc could get after making an intentional stop for a shot at it on the final lap and couldn't, like, touch it. Um, no one was close. So it's it's insane. Like, And I, I don't know what... I'd be interested to know what lap he did it on. I don't know off the top of my head which lap I'm he did it on. I'm actually just looking up exactly that because I'm interested to know when he did it. Uh, lap 32. So, like, three quarters of the way into the race. Yeah, so he would have been on... Let me see what tyres he did. Um, he did... I mean, lap 32, he... Oh, okay, it was... Um, that was the first flying lap on his last set of tyres. So he was on fresh yeah. mediums. Um, Crazy. Yeah. Impressive. Uh, yeah, a few of them nominate. Obviously, we mentioned Albon already. Um Ocon 16th to 7th was a really, really good drive. And equally, Gasly did pit lane to 9th place as well. Another one worth mentioning. Um, I sort of find myself agreeing with you, though, honestly. It's just so hard to look past a drive that good and that dominant. I think we have to give it to the winner again. We seem to be doing that a lot this season, but there's a lot <laughs> of very impressive wins this year. I think that's it. It's not just a straight lead from pole, is it? Um it's not like qualify on pole, start on pole, and then yeah, exactly. lead every lap. Like, I mean, yes, they are impressive, but not when like your rivals further down because of a penalty or something. Like, there's certain situations where they're more impressive than others. Like um, he, he but we, we're not we're, we're not getting loads of them though, are we? This season, I think that's the key thing is that we are actually watching Leclerc and Verstappen scrap occasionally for these things mm. or. Even even science and Verstappen have to scrap for a win, so it's weird. Point points wise, when you look at the standings, yes, he's running away with things, but it, it's not been made easy for him. It's it's very di the the points tally would give you a very different suggestion of how the races have played out each yeah, each absolutely. race this season. I think, yeah, completely. But like, yeah, I was just looking Verstappen beat Perez by 17.8 seconds like if someone started on the front row and won by 17 or 18 seconds you'd say wow that's an impressive drive he started 12 places behind him and still yeah. won by that much like yeah, yeah wild uh, what about move of the day oof I mean the candidates both come from the same man and that's Esther Ben Ocon it's kind which of just it, which one isn't it yeah he was obviously one of those that um it was up there for a drive of the day, I think, with, with some of the moves he pulled off. But, um, I mean, the, it's a nostalgia thing, but the one that sort of stuck with me more was the one on the Kemmel Strait where yeah. it was him and Gasly going around uh, Vettel. Yep. Um, and Vettel was essentially the, the back marker <laughs> um, in days of old when it was Schumacher v. Hakkinen in the same spot. Um, 
So that one definitely sort of resonated with me a bit more because of the nostalgia. But I, I mean, I'd be happy to give it to him for either or, or a combination of the two. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we're giving it to Ocon. It, uh, we'll we'll yeah. let people can choose which of the two they preferred. But um, yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick the same one as you. That keeps it easy then. Yeah. And then finally, that other thing we do. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? I mean, I'm trying to pick things that aren't Ferrari because it feels like we just... This is the point of the show where we bash Ferrari. However, the two things I've got written down are Ferrari. Um, obviously, pitting a driver for fastest lap who doesn't want to pit for fastest lap, then not getting the fastest lap and losing the position in the process is pretty bad. Um, apparently, as well... Leclerc didn't know about the five-second penalty until he got to the media pen. The team just didn't tell him, which is also not a great mm. look. Um, is there anything that's not Ferrari? Um, Paul in the chat has suggested um, Hamilton, and to be fair, that was a pretty, pretty poor. Do you uh, know incident. the thing? The thing with Hamilton that like wound me up more than he actually hit Alonso was. Him trundling around on the racing line with like, oil spewing out of his gearbox, and with what was very clearly a knackered car. Yeah, like don't get me wrong, I know it's not the easiest place to get out of the way, but there were definitely way more places he could have pulled that car up. And yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I just think that it, just being on the racing line in general when it was spewing what it was was a little bit disappointing. I'd have thought that someone of his caliber would be the first to get out of the way in that kind of scenario and he just felt like he was just trying to hold his position far too much considering the situation he was in Um, and I mean yeah fair enough he did eventually get out of the way but there were he he was still technically on the racing line going all the way down to oh I forgot which corner it is the the high speed right onto Uh, the back straight Blanchemont yeah because that's where Max and Leclerc came across him, isn't it? And yes, and the tear off. Yeah, and the tear off incident. Yeah, the tear off conspiracy. Um, we did, however, get one of the funniest shots I ever remember from F one, which was Hamilton just walking away on his own down that like dirt road. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. made me laugh a lot. <laughs> um, so, I, I do find it hard to like look away from Ferrari though. In in that in the just in the mess up that they made of that like I understand that they were trying to get that point off of Max but in doing so they've done more damage than made such a mess of it yeah they've just done more damage than they've done good so and you know to be fair I think otherwise they were pretty on the money in terms of their strategy choices this race I think like obviously they were hampered by the Leclerc break uh, duct thing that kind of put them on the back foot strategically. But like I don't think they did much wrong otherwise. But yeah, that whole situation was just a bit of a debacle, wasn't it? I feel like they were too scared of the hard tire as well because of what had happened recently. Because <laughs> yeah. surely being forced to pit that early in the situation they were in was a prime opportunity to try and make the hard tire work for for a long stint and then 
go for something else towards the end of the race rather than trying to really eke out medium tires and it like i know i'm saying that with hindsight of that did actually work for some drivers the hard tire did actually work out to be a decent race tire for some but it's just one of those strategy calls isn't it like it was too early to do two sets of mediums so surely it should have been like a an average stint on the mediums then an average stint on the hards or yeah. putting the hards on to see how how long they can go but they were a bit, i think i feel like they were a bit afraid of that because of what had happened last time out but, yeah i mean i did tell them last week not to even go near the hard so it's probably my fault yeah um all right should we talk predictions then yeah we can do for what it's worth indeed. well i mean it's not worth it for either of us but nope. well I, I said that i did get a point um so for those of you interested yes i scored a point um it was because max was fastest qualifier because that's how that works um quite a few people had faith in max on the whole i think this week um because quite a lot of people scored three points probably too many to run through the list of names like we sometimes do but we had a number of people on three points and nearly every single one of them had a combination of max fastest qualifier max winner and then something else going their way um so either they were very lucky predictions made before the penalty was known or very faithful predictions made <laughs> knowing just how fast he was this weekend um on the whole so yeah i mean like a few people got lewis's first dnf a few people had ricardo as 15th exactly and quite a few people had 18 finishes so again a lot to like name individuals has been spread quite well um but over at the the top of the standings uh, we've got tom thorne on 23 points which I believe is a slight increase from last week, well, last race. Uh, Grace Maul is now second uh, with 20 sec 22 points, uh, tied with Jana Berger, who was originally second on 22 points. So Grace has made a position there. Uh, so well done. Everyone else's positions, you'll be able to find them online. And I've got a little update coming so that you can see yourself a, a little bit easier rather than having to scroll up and down the list and find yourself. So nice. you might... Well, it depends on when you check them. You might see that update in time for when you check the results. But if you're checking them like now because you're a Discord member, then you're not going to see that yet. So <laughs> <laughs> don't expect much. <laughs> um, yeah, um, moving over to Grid Rival, that side of things. Um, I mean, our top three overall has been pretty sort of static for a number of weeks so we've still got Green Lantern Core in first place Mr X in second and ID Depraz in third overall so those three are still doing very well um, however the top three for this week in Belgium was very different we'd got Zach with just over a thousand points and 1014 uh, Crash Racing which feels like a reference to Crash Team Racing but <laughs> probably isn't on 999 points um, and Otis Bone on uh, 989 points. So some decent scores this week, but no one enough to to unsettle that top three overall. Um, try to see if there's any, any notable movers. Um, we've got Rico Washer with 43 overtakes in terms of jumping up the leaderboard, so that's pretty impressive in itself. Um, and Nightcord 25 gained 10.6 million in fantasy value. 
from wow. their drivers. So that is a pretty big jump as well. I'm quite envious of that. I had a bunch of people, to be fair, I had a bunch of people on one race contracts for this race in the sense that it was a little bit of a mixed bag because of the penalties and I kind of took advantage of that. Stuck a bunch of people on one yeah. one race things that I knew were going to be starting higher up than normal and to see if I could get some points out of it. So kind of worked, kind of didn't. But yeah, if you want to find out how to get involved with any of this, you can head to backofthegrid.com. Uh, there's a link on there to sign up and join in with the Predictions League. And then there's also a section on there for fantasy where you can head to our lovely sponsors, Grid Rival and join up not just our league but any league or even start your own it's worth, always worth doing with them uh, and they, as you may have heard in a recent episode they'll be having like cash games and stuff soon so you can like go head to head with your friends for actual monies so keep your eyes peeled on that and get signed up today nice nice, uh, nice right nice. we've we've got to move on to the Dutch Grand Prix we're in triple header territory yep um, we've already sort of talks a little bit like general thoughts going into this weekend i think we both said we kind of expect that it'll suit ferrari it here's the thing it should suit ferrari whether or not they execute successfully is another matter entirely Um, and that's that's the difficulty for me i think that's exactly where i am with the predictions as well Mm. um should we just go straight ahead and do them yeah, let's be bold. Let's just let's just, yeah. let's just go on. I, f- I feel like you've got one that you want to give. Do you, have you got something on the tip of your tongue that you're ready to give for predictions? Uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say signs for Paul. Interesting. In Q3. Okay. I mean, that's difficult because that's kind of where I was going. And I don't know if I want to do the same... Or if I want to be different for differences. No, I'm sticking with what my gut was, which was science. I'm doing it. Because I, I do think Ferrari are going to be the faster one-lap car here. But I, I, I just can't... I can't picture a world in which things go the way they should for Leclerc right now. <laughs> which also means Does, you have to go first for winner. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, yeah. Okay, I thought I was like sort of silently letting you talk yourself into giving me your, your prediction there. No chance. As much as it should be a Ferrari win, at the moment, I can't see a scenario where Verstappen doesn't win this in front of his home crowd. So, Leclerc, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Verstappen for the win overall. Sadly, I 100% agree with you. This could be good or bad for both. <laughs> it really could, yeah. Okay, first DNF. Where are you going for that? All right, that's a bit more interesting. Um, first DNF. Let's go for... Hmm. It, it seems obvious, but I'm going to say Stroll. <laughs> Okay. Oh, so you're going for like a default? Yeah, like I'm just kind of. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's difficult this one, but it is it is quite a narrow track, so like midfielded position might be worth considering. So I'm gonna go Zhou Guan Yu. I think. 
Yeah, I am. Joe Guan Yu for, for mine. Um, in terms of number of finishers... Mm, 18 last year. Yeah, it's not really a car killer or anything, is it? Um, I mean, what were the DNFs last year? I'm trying to remember what they um, were. It was mm. Sonoda and he shall not be named. And they weren't even collisions, were they? They were, no, they were just random failures. Yeah. Mm. I'll go 17 because my, my Joe failure or DNF, sorry, is based on a bit of a tight turn one incident or, well, first lap incident. So I'll go 17. Actually, I will say I've led you astray there slightly. It was 16 finishes last time. Just two of them were really late on, so they were still classified. But by our measure, they didn't make the end. So it was actually still no Still no collisions, though, were they last year? No. I don't think. So, nope. yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with it. 17. Um... I'll I've got to go different to you. Which way am I going to go? I'll go the other way and say eighteen. Okay. Jeff in chat has been really bold, saying twenty finishes. I don't know if he's been That's serious there or not, just winding not impossible. us up. I mean, it's never impossible as long <laughs> as twenty start. That is. <laughs> well, yeah. I suppose the thing is, oh uh, wait, no, oh yeah, we do number of finishes, don't we? Oh, can you imagine being the one person that week where only 19 people start <laughs> and you've got first DNF none, number of finishes 20. Can you imagine being that person? That would be absolutely gutting. Uh, right, random driver, we needed one. I know there's not many left, but... There's not... Uh, pull one out of what is. is there. Alex Albon this week. Oh, that's tough. Really tough. That's tough because there was elements of him being where he was on merit for sure. But he was also helped slightly in terms of race by who started behind him, I think. Um, oh, this is a difficult one. Um, I'm going to go 11th. Don't think he'll quite, be in, he'll quite have enough to be in the points this week with Ooh. more people being back to usual form. So I'm going to go 11th. I think the Williams is not going to be particularly good here. So I'm going to go, where I say 18 finishers, I'll say oh. like oh. 16th. Okay. Yeah, Even I that might be bold. a bit too generous. I think one thing that helped Albon in Belgium was it's a pretty slippery car, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I've done it now. Um, right, that, that, that's us. Um, if you want to get involved, as we said before, you can head to backofthegrid.com. Register if you've not already registered in the past. Still worth getting involved because there are prizes for anyone that gets five out of five on a race weekend. So hop aboard anytime you fancy. Um, should we do some inbox, Chris? Let's. Keep it saying now. Stay, stay uh, shall I go first? Yeah, go on. You were in the first one. I'll go first. From McCheco. After much anticipation for the second half of the season, it would appear that Paul Poising is still prevalent and that Red Bull is still out front despite having to adapt to the potentially hindering new floor regs. What needs to happen to stop the Paul Poising? Have the FIA simply been too generous with the latest legal limits or are there other considerations to take into account? 
Mm. Um, I think the thing to remember is the the floor reg changes weren't strictly to do with poor policy. That was to do with something else. So they are like technically different to each other. Um, so it's always worth yeah. bearing that in mind. Um, definitely not affected Red Bull anywhere near what we thought. But I guess on the flip side, they also weren't poor poising like anyone else. So they've they they were probably in need of those flexi floors if you want to call them that flexi boards a lot less than any other teams to begin with in the first place um i'm wondering if that's where some of ferrari's race pace has gone and it is affecting ferrari more because they've made changes to accommodate for the flexi floor changes the flexi board changes yeah and i mean we saw a lot of poor poising from them anyway which we already were they, they were they were one of those teams that seemed to be able to go fast despite poor poising and yeah. maybe the changes hindered them in that regard. So they're still poor poising, but not as fast through it, maybe. Because um, the Ferrari looked pretty bad, didn't it, this weekend? Yeah, it looked. I mean, I'm trying to think to which drive. ones. I'm trying to think which ones looked the worst, and the ones that really stood out to me were probably the Ferrari at times, the Williams. Yeah, I'm trying to think if anyone else the, those those two really stood out to me but Williams was particularly bad in free practice I think the Mercedes was as well but I mean there was a there was a very valid point from Julian Palmer on some of the coverage which is that with these things now coming into play it's a lot easier for the teams to start beyond them and move back down towards yeah. them than it is to start below them and try and find their way up to the limit. So I think a lot of what was sitting for practice was definitely that team starting way above the limit and kind of trying to dial themselves back down to sit within it. Yeah, um, that's a good point. But yeah, it's 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 definitely not as much of a problem for Red Bull as we. I mean, I feel like a little bit of that was hopeful to kind of keep the <laughs> keep the series <laughs> or the the championship as close as possible. But it feels like it's hitting Ferrari more than it's hitting Red Bull at the minute, sadly. Yeah, and like, I, I do think that maybe the FIA are sort of like not going too hard on these new tests too soon, and maybe they'll make them a bit stricter for coming races. Like, they've got to, mm. this is the first weekend we've had them, and they've got to kind of find the level. So, yeah, and it's going to be very different at different circuits as well. It may, be, it may have to be something that's adaptable because yeah. circuits like this, Monza and so on, you're going to have a lot more of it than you are uh, a circuit like Singapore. Like, I can't imagine anyone poor poison at all at Singapore. No, we did say like this was likely to be the worst of the remaining tracks on the calendar yeah. for it. So. Uh, this and Monza, definitely. Um, yeah. A slight possibility of Japan in places. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those, see how it unfolds. Um, yeah over time but I think out of the two championship contending teams as they were Ferrari and Red Bull Red Bull definitely come out fairly unscathed if if not completely unscathed mm -hmm. so, it looks that yeah. way uh, Kilowog says with the Max uh, sorry with the Max no with Max clearly primed for an Alonso style back to back world drivers championship what do we think this Max run looks like when it's finally in the rearview mirror do we think he has a Vettel Schumi Hamilton repeat staying power 
yes is the short answer um yeah i think i I think if things from the team side continue to go well for the next few years yeah he could easily pick up a third and fourth tile back to back um it it, in a way it sort of feels a bit like vettel's titles like yeah. Vettel's first title was really hard fought, went down to the last race. Then Vettel's second title, not easy, but he definitely stepped up a level and wrapped it up a bit earlier in the season. Like there's there's definitely parallels there. So yeah, I think we could definitely see more than two back to back if things go right for him. Yeah, I mean, while ever Red Bull are in the situation they are from an aero perspective, which is having the car to be realistically as an all-rounder i think he's got every opportunity to um to to stack on top of that and get three or four but he's going to depend on teams around them i guess um Mm -hmm. because i can't i can't see red bull being the kind of team that drops the ball in these kind of scenarios but because in previous like you know in all the time between Seb's previous titles and then Verstappen's most recent one generally speaking Red Bull have still been there or thereabouts they've just been on the back foot from like the get go essentially like Mercedes had an absolutely killer engine in comparison to what what Red Bull were working with and they were always on the back foot a little bit with that and once they've got on top of that you can see that winning persistence coming back into the Red Bull Mm team um so, yeah, unless somebody has, like, some form of silver bullet one season with a slight reg change, like, double diffuser style, I don't think... Um, I can't see them being, like, so far off the boil that Verstappen's not at least challenging for titles, even if he's not winning them. Yeah, and I think particularly as we've got this engine freeze until the new regs in 2026 as well, like, the ingredients are there for him and Red Bull to dominate this next few-year period. But yeah, as, as you say, you, there's there's always things that can rock that boat. Definitely. Uh, next question from Imposter Nikki, who simply asks, "Why does Ferrari?" <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think I... if we, if anyone knew the answer to that, they could probably get a very good job at Maranello. <laughs> when Sainz went to Ferrari, I found myself like being far more let's say sympathetic towards them as a team because I like the drive it was one of those scenarios where like a driver I've got a lot of time for has gone to a team that I don't necessarily have a lot of time for and I've tried to be more sympathetic towards them as a team because of that and it just highlights to me how just I nearly swore then how hard it must be (laughs) how swear word hard it must be to actually be a Ferrari fan like to genuinely be a Ferrari fan because I've like become a surrogate Ferrari fan because of signs going there and and Leclerc to be fair to a degree like I mean how much did we bang on about how good Leclerc was in the junior formula we absolutely loved him yeah Um, and you know them both being there is like prime for me like I love both drivers but the team are just so hard to support <laughs> like if, 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 someone, if someone out there is a genuine Ferrari fan 
and always has been I would love to know how you do it because <laughs> I would have like lost faith I, I'd have the thing is if Ferrari were the only team I support I would have lost faith in the sport and stopped watching the sport a long time ago that's all I can say <laughs> which is why yeah. I don't support a particular team generally exactly. <laughs> for that exact reason like I would, I, for the most part of this season, I'm watching kind of as a neutral. Like I've, I've been sort of rooting for yeah. Ferrari and Leclerc because I want an exciting championship that goes down to the wire. And just from that point of view, it's been frustrating enough. So if I actually <laughs> like had skin in the game, like legitimately wanted them to win, like I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like. Chris, I bought a hat. That's the reason I've managed to mention that. I bought a hat, man. A whole hat. <laughs> hats in the chat <laughs> seems like they got the hat emoji discord that's that's the reason you should join patreon there's a ferrari color science hat emoji in the discord enjoy it <laughs> no i'd yeah i'm i just ferrari i'm lost for words i don't know if i can say any more on that Thomas, read the next one go for it uh connor daly says uh what race will max win the championship wow um <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure mathematically how it works, but I would be surprised if he hasn't got it wrapped up by Cota, which well, is we, we actually did maybe talk even Japan. This. Maybe even Japan. We did talk about this not so long back, and I genuinely can't remember where I said, but. I think oh. I think last time we talked about this, we said we can see it happening at Cota, kind of the way Hamilton did a couple of times. But mm. I can now maybe see him doing it a race earlier in Japan, which is four races from now. I think he could get enough points by then. I think it depends on if Ferrari can maintain what we are hoping and believing. <laughs> if if Ferrari can basically be competitive and beat. Verstappen at um, in Holland, in sorry, in the Netherlands and uh, in Singapore, then they'll probably run him out to Brazil or something. If they don't win those races, then they let Max have them. Well, they're not going to let him have them, but you know what I mean. Like if if Max basically wins the next three races, it's done by Circuit of Americas. Yeah. Because mathematic yeah, yeah. mathematically it won't take much more than that, and it's just a case of him finishing a couple of races ahead of Leclerc at that point. Like, I mean, what is he behind at the minute? He's already he's nearly a hundred points behind now, isn't he? Ninety-eight, it? I believe it is. Yeah, like that. Mean that means out of eight races, mathematically speaking, to to level it back up, out of eight races, Max would have to finish outside of the points for at least three, if not four to keep it a contest and I don't see that happening at the minute uh, especially especially with them intentionally taking penalties but just because they can because Leclerc is <laughs> taking them to get new components so yeah I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to conservative and I'm going to stick with Circuit of America's 21st well 23rd of October that's, hmm. that's the day get it in he your becomes calendar, champion <laughs> Alrighty, yeah. last question this week from Garrett. Uh, I wasn't watching in the early 10s, so to you guys, does it feel like Red Bull are repeating their dominance? 
So that's like kind of as you're talking about the Vettel championship years. Um, I, I think you sort of made a good comparison earlier where um, it, it there's definitely similarities to a degree as to when Vettel started winning with them. Um, and it's, it is also similar in the fashion that, you know, it's it's their next young protege that's come through since Vettel, isn't it? I mean, I know they've had a few yeah. drivers come up through the programme, but Verstappen was always like the next youngest this, youngest that, that they wanted after Vettel was gone. So um, I would definitely say there's similarities there. I think the thing that really works in Red Bull's favour in this regard is Ferrari just screwing themselves over and more than anything. <laughs> Yeah, and also, like, I think the characteristic of, though, that particular era of Red Bull dominance was it was, like, week in, week out. It was just... It was it was, it was the same way of winning every week. It was turn up on a Saturday, stick it on pole, pull, like, a two or three-second gap in the first couple of laps, and then just stay there and win from the front. Whereas red bull haven't really been able to win races in that style in this era because just because ferrari yeah. are so quick over one lap um so it's not necessarily the same style of dominance but in terms of like the way they're grinding out the results it's definitely very similar yeah i mean uh, for for comparison um vettel's first title as you said I've, I've decided to pull it up just just to highlight what you were saying but Vettel's first title was won by four points over Alonso and it went down to Abu Dhabi. So similar in a sense mathematically to, mm -hmm. to last year. Um, his second title in 2011, he scored 392 points and his closest rival was Jensen Button on 270. Oof. So it was a 120-point difference, which, if Ferrari aren't careful, is going to happen this year. Yeah. If if they carry on the way they are, that's going to be what it's like this year. Uh, season after that, 2012, Vettel won it by, um, again, another close one, three points, uh, 281 points to Alonso's 278. So Ferrari pushed them again that year and sort of came back at them. 2012, <laughs> incredible season. Yeah, and then 2013, um, again, was like just smashing them out of the water as 397 points to Fernando Alonso's 242 so I, I can genuinely see that kind of pattern occurring again with Ferrari I mean I know Jensen Button was one of the one of the people that was second behind him in those years um, but out of three of them Alonso in a Ferrari was second and I could genuinely see that being Leclerc's position for the next yeah. couple of years like some some years being close and some years being further off, but that is it, honestly that's going to be down to Ferrari to to sort that, I think. Mm -hmm. So and yeah, and totally. if you, if you ever get opportunity through like F one TV or Sky Sports, if you're in the UK, Connor, I don't oh no it wasn't Connor this one was it so it was Garrett. Um, it, it, like if you get the opportunity to watch reruns basically through whatever platform you watch Formula One through. If you could pick up any any of those races from some of those seasons that were close, like 2010 and 2012, yeah, take the time to watch them because there's some banging races in those. Yeah, seasons. those two in particular were phenomenal seasons. Yeah, definitely worth 
have it and watch. Right, and I think that's everything we've got to cover this week. So a few things to wrap up before we finish. I'll do, I'll do the usual bits first. Thanks, of course, for listening. Thank you to our Discord people, especially those who've been here in the live chat on Piastri Watch. We still have no Piastri news. Um, we'll be back in a week's time to review the Dutch Grand Prix. There's a chance we might be a day later than usual next week. So if it gets to the usual release time and there's not a podcast, do not panic. We will maybe be a day late, but scheduling, we're still figuring it out. Um, what else? Yes, other thing, we've uh, both been playing the new F1 manager game. Thank you to the lovely people at the F1 manager game. Um, we haven't really got time to super go into detail on their thoughts uh, this week we'll maybe in one of the coming podcasts just have a bit of a discussion about uh about how finding it short version is i'm really enjoying it so far if you like formula one and you like data then <laughs> my goodness there's a lot of there's a lot there for you um who are you what team have you picked that of interest tom mclaren me too. I had a feeling that'd be the case. <laughs> um, I'm just currently. Them out. Um, I'm only going to sign two drivers though, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently courting Logan Sargent, the potential uh, reserve driver for when nice. Lando or Danny Rick disappear. Anyway, but yes, we. If you're interested in seeing um, some of that game and our thoughts, we are sort of planning a live stream of sorts um, this week. Uh, we've got penciled in. Wednesday evening UK time this week. Um, we'll let yeah. you know on our various social things for certain what we're planning to do. But I assume Tom that will be on Twitch. You're the yeah, man who knows this stuff. It'll be it'll be done through me, won't it? So yeah, it'll probably be my Twitch we do it on. That's the easiest thing. There's less, yeah. less messing about doing it like yeah, that. exactly. Yes. So yeah. if you are keen on seeing a bit of the new F1 Manager game and what we think of it, keep an eye on um, our Twitter and Facebook and stuff, and we'll let you know when that's happening um and i think that is everything so yeah thank you again everyone for joining us this week and until next time goodbye bye everyone And now they can announce the Piastri information. Oh my God, I can't believe he's going to Alfa Romeo after all of this. <laughs> Funny. <laughs>